Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. Uh, speak, uh, speak, uh, share some of the <laughs> share some of the, the scriptures, but I'm going to start with the first verse, and he's going to help me with a lot of the other verses, all right? Now, remember, this is the seventh beatitude. I don't want to go into the history of the beatitudes, but this is the seventh one, and if you haven't been here, uh, pr- they are progressive in nature. Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount with eight blessings that he speaks over people that yield to these realities. I don't know about you, but if Jesus specifically says you're blessed if you do this or if you yield to this, I want to pay attention. Come on, say Amen. All right, so the, the, the seventh one is this. Now, hear me that this is going to be this is gonna be powerful, but again, here's another disclaimer. Probably some of the most simplest truth you have ever heard, and you've probably heard it before many times, but I want you to grab it this morning and grab everything. Even the scriptures are not going to be super deep. I think sometimes the, the church is waiting for all these deep things when the deep things are the most simple things. So here it goes. Jesus said after his sixth beatitude, all right, he said, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Okay, say this with me. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Now look at me, when most people read this without context, and when most people read this scripture, they just kind of, if, if, if I could be honest with you, they just kind of breeze through it, through it when they read it. And they're like, oh, that's such a nice reality. And honestly, if I could just be honest, when most people read this out of context, they think of the aftermath of the result of peace, which is calm, which is passive, which is tranquil, and which is subservient, right? Now, all those have a degree of truth at the end result of peace. In other words, when you have peace of mind or peace in your emotions, there's a tranquility in there. But the Peace, the action of peacemaking is very intentional and very positive force that will bring healing. Watch this. And will make wrong things right. I'm trying to hear this between you because the process, everybody say the process, of peacemaking is very intentional and it's not passive at all. As a matter of fact, those who are peacemakers know that they're making peace. And this is a great transition for me to re- to tell you one of the hallmark truths that I've learned about this. It's absolutely important. Everybody say important. That you n- do not misconstrue the difference between peacemakers and peacekeepers. I I I, I Some of you have heard me say this before, but I'm going to dive a little deeper this morning into that. Some of us that are peacekeepers don't even know that we're peacekeepers. We have a peacekeeping mentality instead of a peacemaking mentality. But God didn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. He said, blessed are the peacemakers. Because peacekeepers is far different than peacemaking. But without us knowing or even having the vernacular to understand what we're doing, sometimes we are operating from a peacekeeping standpoint. Oh, Lord. Because the peacemaker at times, hear me now, hear me now, this is going to get good. And I'll be honest with you, there's times in my past I didn't even know that I was operating as a peacekeeper. Now, notice the difference. A peacekeeper, if I say peacekeeper... Remember, we're we're talking about peacemaking, right? But a peacekeeper at times will compromise truth to get a false sense of peace. 
I usually get good in the middle of it, but this is good right now. Listen, listen. Peacekeepers compromise truth to obtain a false sense of peace. And a peacekeeper, without knowing it, a peacekeeper mentality will form a truce with the enemy to maintain a temporary peace. Or will make a truce with somebody so that there won't be any conflict or drama and get a temporary peace because of a truce, but never establish real freedom in that relationship or in your own mind. Why? Because a peacekeeper sometimes will compromise truth because they don't want to avoid, they don't want to rock the boat that truth will require to establish real peace. Peacemakers are very intentional, but peacekeepers, they'll say, let's have a truce so that you won't attack me and I won't be aggressive to you. Now, how does that mean in the spiritual realm? Because truce in the dictionary, Webster Dictionary, watch what it means. It means an agreement. Well, first of all, that's the, right now, that's a problem because we are not called to agree with the devil. An agreement, truce, an agreement between two or more people or parties to cease further action against each other. That's a truce. And some people, because they know they're, they should share truth with somebody they don't and i say this in love because without knowing it they have a peacekeeping mentality and they won't speak up in truth because they fear what the other person is going to react and say if they say the truth in a certain relationship so they stay quiet and they say subliminally i'll stay quiet and you stay quiet and we'll just agree not to say anything although i disagree with you although we're hurting although there's an elephant in the room although there's beef between us let's just not say anything news flash things won't heal by itself Amen. it won't there's certain things that will heal but let me tell you healing when it comes to a relationship or healing when it comes to your mind has to be intentional it just doesn't happen by happenstance. Come on. The problem, though, with a truce is that it's a false form of peace. How many of you have been in a situation where you know you're supposed to speak up about a certain conflict between you and someone, but you don't because you don't want any drama? Or you're in a dinner table and someone asks a question about the Bible that it's a sinful thing that you know they're living in. And they're like, let me ask you a question. Hey, what? what well, well, what if, what if, what if I'm, what if I'm, want if I'm a man and I want to love a man? What, what's, what's wrong with that? What if I'm a woman and I want to love a woman? And then you're just like, well, you know, God loves everyone. Do you know when you say that, even though in your heart you mean well, it's actually very destructive. Because are you ready for this? Are you ready? Peacekeepers will stay silent in the midst of biblical injustice, all in the name of peace. Peacekeepers will say, I don't want to say anything because if I say anything, then I'm going to be called a religious zealot. Then I'm going to be called a spiritual weirdo. And if I say something, I understand we all have to let our light shine. But don't be fooled. We do have to say some things. Yeah. Amen? Salvation doesn't come. The Bible says if you believe in your, in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you'll be saved. Not just, you know what? I'm going to let my light shine and people are going to get saved. No, there has to be action coupled with words. Intentionality. Say intentionality. So a peacekeeper, watch this, will not confront necessary issues between people 
or society that need to be confronted. Do you know if right now you have uh, ought with somebody or you have a disagreement with somebody and you choose to be a peacekeeper mentality, that relationship will probably never heal. Let me just even take it further. If you're waiting for somebody else to come to you to admit how bad they were to you, that relationship will never get healed. And peacekeeping is very passive. Peacemaking is very intentional. Hear me, because this is important. This is the foundation of what I've been preaching for years. A peacemaker will avoid conflict to try to get a temporary false peace, which is a truce. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus died on the cross, and he didn't die to make a truce with the enemy. He did not make a truce with the enemy. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he didn't say, listen, I'll shut up and I'll have my people shut up. Just have your demons shut up and you yourself shut up and don't fight against each other because all this stuff is just making people go crazy and they're getting emotional. So let's just make a truce. No, Jesus died on the cross not to make a truce with the devil. He, he died on the cross to defeat the devil. He defeated the devil on the cross. The Bible says for this purpose, come on, the Son of God has been manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Christianity is not passive, neither is peacemaking. You know why? Because he's the Prince of Peace. Can I preach for a second? Peace is a person. Peace is a person. He's the Prince of Peace. And listen, even in the end of the age, even in the end of the age, peacemaking will be one of the greatest things that Jesus does. You say, why? How is that possible? Because it's going to take a violent takeover of Jesus to take over and overturn all the darkness in the land when he comes, watch this, to establish true peace on the earth. Not this false peace groovy peace that's, that allows everything. No, 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 my friends. When God brings biblical peace in your life, you, there is freedom. Freedom. Not just, oh, don't, don't talk to me. Let's be silent for 10 years. No, if you want that, that's your choice. But I don't believe it's God's perfect will. That doesn't mean you have to be best friend with somebody that hurts you. It doesn't mean that you have to be buddy-buddy, but you do need to be proactive in making peace. Glory to God! Listen, listen, there's, there's people here that I love and there's people here that, that are not here that I love that I've had to be proactive in, make, in, in having meetings with them to gain true peace. And if I didn't, and if I, wasn't re, if I wasn't proactive in those relationships, I don't know where our relationship would be today. Somebody needs to be a peacemaker. I said, somebody needs to be a peacemaker. Peacemaking starts with you. It does not start with the other person. Peacemaking starts with you, and I'm going to get that. What is the heart of a peacemaker? Come on. Everybody say, peacemaker is the one that's blessed. Peacekeepers sometimes will compromise truth because they don't want to rock the boat. But what is the heart of a peacemaker? I'm glad you asked. Look at the first point. Look at the first point. A heart of a peacemaker. A peacemaker will never compromise truth in order to gain peace. I got five amens on that one. A peacemaker will never compromise truth in order to gain peace. What does that mean? That means, well, you know what? Uh, I have a family issue or I have a relational issue. I'm not going to tell them the truth because that's going to blow them up even more. When actually you are delaying the healing process. Peacemaking is very proactive. and I'm going to prove it to you in a scripture in just a moment. But, uh, but this is why I'm saying this. Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker. Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker. He reconciled us to God. 
Now we're at, the Bible says in Romans, 5, in Romans, we are at peace with God because of what he did. Now look at the second point. This is good. Again, this is a, a classic message that I've preached throughout the years and is, I believe is going to set you free if you listen to it and apply it. Look at the second point. Peacemaking is the action of making wrong and broken things right. Oh, I feel like shouting from the rooftop here. Peacemaking is the action. Everybody say action. You know why some of you are quiet? Because you're, you're going, oh, no. Pastor is preaching to me. That means I have to take the first step. Yes. Yes. Now, that's if you want to be a peacemaker. If you don't, don't take the first step. But I'm going to tell you. You're not going to walk in the blessing that God has. What is the blessing? What is the blessing? Not just because he calls you blessed. The blessing of a healed relationship. The blessing of a healed mind. I don't know about you, but if I have a broken relationship, and especially if I love that, those people, if I'm not intentional about it, and I know that there's a, a continual hurt and conflict, I, don't, I can't function right. I don't know about you. Can I just be even further, further deep? I, I can't even preach right. <laughs> It's not biblical for me to preach right if I have something against somebody and I haven't been proactive making peace. Now, does it, now watch this. This is good. Are you ready? Your, your peacemaking is not contingent on them receiving your forgiveness or not. You just do it. And if they don't receive it, you are blessed. And you are, listen, you're in a position where you can see freedom come into your life. Come on, say amen. Peace keep, peacemakers will not stay silent in the midst of injustice. And they will speak truth even in relationships, even though that truth will hurt that relationship because they know ultimately truth will set you free and set that relationship free. So some of you who have some broken things in your life, some broken relationships, even with God, with other people, when you are proactive in making peace, listen to me, speak the truth in love. Because when you do, listen, it will bring healing. But watch this. The other... The action of peacemaking is that you also yield to the peacemaking process, which means they're going to have some things to say to you that are truth that you need to receive in order for you to correct your own life. Because you can't come into a peace with somebody, a true peacemaker, and just say, this is what I did, uh, this is what you did, and this is what I feel you did. And the, no, now you have to listen to say, okay, now this is how you reacted, this is how you did. And you know what? When you talk about it, God forbid, nowadays we don't talk to people anymore. We don't talk to people anymore. We just text them. We just email them. Talk to them. I'm pleading with you. If you are a peacemaker, talk to them. Set up a time to make peace. Come on, say Amen. A peacemaker will not be afraid to initiate a meeting with someone to save a relationship. It's okay, I'm pounding because I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm not, I'm not, I am not preaching to anybody in specific. So if my eyes glance at you, I'm not harping on you. I'm just telling you that this is a real thing. Come on, say, say real. Peacemakers will do this to gain true peace and healing. A peacemaker will always uphold truth. Not only in their life, but in any relationship. Do you have, how many have friends here, uh, even in the church? You have friends. Raise your hand. Okay. How many have uh, some Christian friends? I hope so. I hope so. All right. So it's not just your family. You have some friends that sometimes you haven't seen eye to eye for years. And maybe there's no hurt. And maybe there's no conflict. But let me tell you, if you're not proactive about addressing certain things to make peace... 
and give clarity. The enemy, I'm telling you, I know, the enemy will come in like a snake and hidden and it will start. You know how the enemy starts? You know how the enemy starts when we don't make peace? In our thought life. You be marinating on that thing like an egg uh, uh, cooking or bacon cooking. And it gets crispier and crispier in your mind. And you're like, hmm. he said hello to them and didn't say hello to me. And that person may have not made me busy that day, not even have a clue that you're there. But all of a sudden, you're marinating on that thing. I mean, the more you marinate, the more you accuse. And the more you accuse, the more you get angry. The more you get angry, the more you are convinced that that person does not like you and hates you. Siri, no, Siri, shut up, stop. I don't know what I did, but Siri goes, "Uh uh-huh. I'm like, no. (laughs) Peacemaker to you, Siri. (laughs) Now watch this. Put this next slide up. I want you to see this. It's not only in family. It's in friendships and even, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but there's there are going to be three main characteristics of a a peacemaker that I'm going to tell you that's going to absolutely set you free because it has set me free. Let's read this together. The act of peacemaking is not passive at all. It is very intentional for the purpose of establishing biblical peace and freedom in our lives and in others. Come on, say biblical peace. The apostle Paul proves that peace is a force. Do you know that peace is not just everything's groovy? Peace is not just, oh my gosh, let's just be at peace. Peace is powerful. The Apostle Paul, I'm going to say something very deep in a second. The Apostle Paul actually said that peace is a weapon, that God uses a weapon. Everybody say a weapon. To destroy Satan in your life. A lot of people, they suffer right here from a lot of things. I'm not talking about mental disorders. I'm talking about their mind and thoughts are always racing. And you long for peace. Peace is a weapon. Look at what, Chris, let's read that. What does, what does Romans 16 verse 20 is up on the screen and the NLT say? Again, very simple scriptures, but I want you to get this, all right? How many getting something so far? Look at what the Apostle Paul says about the byproduct of peace in our life. Watch this. And the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. May, listen, the God of peace will crush Satan. He could have said the God of love will crush Satan. And then we're going to identify love as a force. He could have said the God of might is going to crush Satan. And we would have said, oh, it's because of his might. He could have said, oh, it's the God of miraculous signs and wonders that is going to crush Satan. Then we would say, you know what, that is, that is pretty powerful because he is a God of gods and miracles. He said the God of peace is going to crush Satan. My goodness. That soft thing that you think is a soft little passive little afterthought. No, it's not an afterthought in God's mind. He says the God of peace is going to crush him. Oh, I love that. You know how you're going to crush Satan? Making peace. You're going to discombobulate Satan in relationships when you make peace with us. That doesn't mean you have to agree with everything. Disclaimer. You can make peace with somebody. You can make peace with somebody and not agree with everything they do or say. I have made peace with people in the last four years that we are good now. Praise God, that load just get off of me. But guess what? Our relationship is not the same. And that's, not, and that's okay. Why? Because in our heart, we're free. 
Watch this. I'm going to give you a clue. If we are not peacemakers in our relationships, especially when, there, when there's a conflict, or in our lives, in our personal lives, it will open the doors to unforgiveness and bitterness. <laughs> Amen to that. I'm going to quote myself because I don't want to get it wrong. It's like I, have a, I have a little book that I never published um, on principles like this. And, it's, and, I, and I read some of the things that I wrote myself years ago. And I want to quote it because I don't want to mess it up. It says, uh, I, wrote, I wrote, do not confuse peacemaking with rebellion or insubordination to godly authority. Peacemaking is simply an ongoing intentional act of establishing God's peace in every situation that we are in without shying away for fear of consequence. Peacemaking is an ongoing intentional act of establishing God's peace in every situation without shying away from the fear of the consequence of that peacemaking. Do you know that peacemaking sometimes has a consequence? And what that consequence is, is not just the result of peace. That consequence is the awkwardness of the reaction of other people or yourself. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called, watch this, the sons of God. You know what that tells me? Part of our identity of sons and daughters is to be peacemakers. You're not getting that. I'm a son of God, then you better be a peacemaker. You said, oh, pastor, I don't like this preaching. You know why we don't like this preaching? Because it requires action on our part. But the result, I promise you, I'm going to get on this stage, the result is freedom in your mind, freedom in your heart, freedom in the relationship, freedom to keep going. Some of you are tied down. And you must be a peacemaker. Look at this. And, and uh, Chris, get ready for Philippians chapter 4. Look at this next thing. Now, this is key, all right? I want, I want you to see this, all right? The byproduct of peacemaking is God's peace. I know that sounds simple, right? Watch this. Watch this. The by, everybody say the byproduct of peacemaking is God's peace being established. Now watch this. Say this with like bold, like, like your mom's just slapping your head, right? Peace and freedom are synonymous. Please hear me. The, one of the most important things I'm going to say today is this. Peace, God's peace and freedom is synonymous. All right, now I'm going to get a little deep and I'm not trying to get personal, but this is the, the, the illustration that the Lord gave me while I was studying, right? How many of you have suffered or currently suffer from anxiety. See, someone, nobody wants to lift up their hands, but okay. All right, then don't lift your hands. If you suffer from anxiety, how many of you believe that that's not a pleasant feeling? At least, at least lift up that. Right. So if you suffer from anxiety, anxiety has many forms. It, it, it can mean that your, your mind is constantly racing or you're constantly thinking of something that hasn't happened yet or you're constantly thinking of something that's about to happen. But all those are synonymous with our thoughts and our emotions getting haywire, right? Now, now watch, I'm going somewhere with this. How many believe that that reality is not pleasant to you? Right? Is, I mean, does anybody like, I mean, maybe I'm preaching to the wrong, does anybody love anxiety? Does anybody love how that feels? Okay. Now, what is the antidote for freedom from anxiety? Hmm? What does people with anxiety truly long for? Peace of mind. Something to happen to turn this thing off. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen this morning. 
Look at the antidote that God gives for anxiety. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, Come on. will guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. Do you realize, again, God could have chose any word to be the antidote for be anxious for nothing? He could have said, be anxious for nothing, and in all supplication, and prayer and supplication, make your request known to God, and the power of God will deliver you. Or the anointing of God will come upon you, and you will magically have no more, pe- no more anxiety. That would be awesome, right? Because let me tell you what will happen if you come, if you're anxious, here's the antidote. You know what I love about God? He doesn't leave us hanging. He's like, hey, you come to the, pres- the doctor's office, I'm going to give you a prescription. Just do it. If, what good is it if I get a prescription of the doctor and it's for Walgreens or CVS and I never go and pick it up? What good is it if the doctor says, you need this for your inflammation? Oh, I don't want to take it. Well, unless there's a miracle of God, you're going to keep suffering from inflammation. Nothing wrong with taking a prescription. Well, God is better than the physical doctor. And he's saying the prescription I prescribe for anxiety and a lack of peace is come to me in prayer. And the result of that pill of prayer will be the peace of God that passes all understanding. Glory to God. The peace of God is linked to freedom. Everybody say freedom. Freedom. How many like the feeling of God's peace? You know, whenever, whenever, uh, in in the past, when I've been able to either through a journey weekend or see inner healing or a baptism, you know, one of the the common denominators that they all say that they feel, again, it's not by feeling, but I just want to tell you, the common denominator of what everyone says they feel is, I feel peace. I feel light. Why? Peace is not only a weapon, it's freedom. Watch this. This is coming to me just now. This is awesome. Remember the man that was in the the, the, the Gadarenes? Right in Mark chapter 5, and he had a legion of demons. And those of you who don't know anything about legion in the Roman times, one legion, what legion was about 6,000 soldiers, give or take. So, if the man had a legion of demons, and he had he had close to 6,000 demons living inside of him, that's a lot. <laughs> the Bible says, when Jesus came and cast those demons out, the Bible says he was sitting. At peace in his right mind. And people were afraid. You know that people will get afraid when you get set free? Because you're not the same. They're like, wait a minute. What is wrong with this? God is really real. And you would think that revival will break out in that land. The Bible says that they told Jesus, get away from here. You're, you're, you're causing our business to suffer. They were, more important, they were more concerned about their business than freedom because peace came into a man that would destroy the whole village. You know why? Because the demons went into the pigs. And the pigs went down the water and drowned. And there were lots of the pigs that went in there. And that was their business. So they said, I don't like this Jesus here. He's setting people free and it's destroying my business. You know what happens when when people get set free in an atmosphere that they're promoting sin? That means they have to change the whole atmosphere. And people don't like that, that don't want Jesus. Come on, say amen. If you're working for a job and all of a sudden you get encountered by God and you start telling people about the gospel, they're like, I don't like this new boss here. 
I don't like this new. Uh, uh, I don't like this manager. I don't like this new employee. They're always smiling. They're always. Ta- they're always talking about Jesus. They're always. You know, uh, uh, people sometimes will get ticked off because of your joy because they secretly want your joy. I love, I love what I think it was Jody. I was talking to her the day she posted something, a story that she had about she would go, maybe I'm jocking it up, Jody, so sorry. And it really touched me. I was telling her that it really touched me because uh, she was talking about being intentional. Come on, peacemaking is intentional. And she was talking about when years ago when she was at a job and that she just kept, good morning, and it was like six in the morning. You know, obviously I probably wouldn't be, I don't know, maybe I'll be that way too, but, but she was good morning, she was always smiling. And you know what? There was people that just like, why do you smile so much? They were getting angry. Instead of saying, oh, man, that is beautiful. But you know what? They were getting angry because deep down inside, they wanted it. Well, it's the same way with peacemaking. Peacemaking, it may feel uncomfortable at times, but the end result is so powerful. And it's liberating. I said, it's liberating. How many long for peace of mind? Guess what? Sometimes peacemaking has to be done to yourself, and I'm going to go to there in just a second. But I'm going to give you some real quick biblical examples of peacemaking, and then I'm going to give you what I call the juggernaut of this message, okay? Now listen, stay close. Uh, uh, one example of a peacemaker of making wrong things right is David. We talked about Goliath last week in the, in the worship time, where Tito had the... the the, the giant, and I had a dream of giants, and I kicked the goal with my left foot, and then Jessica had the same dream. I've never had that. There, were, there was such a prophetic flow of giants about to fall, right? Let's talk about David and Goliath, because listen, the Bible says that Goliath was, listen, listen, the enemy, clear me now, this is so powerful, was uh, attacking Israel with their words and defaming God. And you would think somebody would rise up and say, hey, stop doing that. This is our God. And all of the Israelites, including Saul and all his men, were shaking in their boots because this big old 10-foot giant was cursing them and intimidating them and saying, come on, you Israelites. You say you have a powerful God? I'm waiting for you to prove it now watch this a peacekeeper Saul was a peacekeeper because Saul said and everybody said just stay quiet listen listen don't bother the enemy and he won't bother you that is foolish that's foolish thinking if you think that you just say look look I'm not I'm not going to do spiritual warfare anymore because every time I do spiritual warfare I get attacked let me just contextualize it in our language I'm not going to preach anymore because every time I preach I get attacked I'm not going to worship lead anymore because every time do you realize that the enemy wants to stop your calling and therefore he attacks you but if your mentality is okay let's make a deal devil stop attacking me and I'll stop leading worship. I'll stop teaching. I'll stop singing. I'll stop discipling. Do you know that the devil, if he, even if he says yes, he's a liar. He never says the truth. And you'll always be defeated. Here's the news for you. If you're getting attacked, it's because you have an anointing. And you have a calling. And you have a purpose. If you're getting attacked, it's because God sometimes is using that to refine you. If you are being attacked, it is because God wants to stop what God is doing through you. Get up. Don't stay in that place of sorrow anymore. 
God wants to lift you up. God wants to have you keep you going. But you can't make a truce with the devil. And David said he came on the scene and he saw the truce going on. He saw the, de- the, the enemy going rah, rah, rah. And Israel going, please, just please, just please. That's what most Christians look like to me sometimes. Please, Lord, please, Lord, please take authority. Take the sword of the spirit and say, listen, no, no, you're not going to have my devil. Take your We've lost the art of talking to the devil. I'm not talking about having a conversation with the devil. I'm not saying, hey, devil, come over here, bro. Let's talk. No, no, no. I'm talking about good old grandma prayers that they said, hey, devil, you take your hands off of my children. You take your hands off of my life. No, I am not going to allow you to do this. Spiritual warfare is not a truce. It's proactive. And David made peace made peace by saying, listen, Saul, I know I'm a teenager, but your servant, when there was a bear and there was a lion, he killed, I killed him, and your servant will be doing that to Tim, and that uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of those lions. He's going to be like one, one, of those, one of those bears if you just allow me to be proactive to attack Peacemakers. David, you know the story, threw the stone, got the, the giant, he fell off, got the giant's own sword and cut his own head off. That's a whole sermon by itself. Use the enemy's weapon to kill the enemy. Your testimony of what you've gone through is a weapon in God's hands because that sword of the enemy used to attack you with anxiety, used to attack you with sickness, that sword. And then you, when you stun him with the word, because the rock is the Christ Jesus, you get the enemy's sword and you cut his own head off with the instrument he used to attack you. That's why your testimony is powerful. Don't ever shut up about your testimony. That is Goliath's sword. Oh, that's a word. That's a word. That's, that's not even in my notes. Your testimony is Goliath's sword. You're saying, look at what I've come through. And I want to share with you. I can tell you to forgive because it took years for me to forgive. And now that I've forgiven, my life has changed. So I'm telling you. David established peace by force. He didn't come to the scene and say, hey, Goliath, if it's okay with you, could you just shut up and go home? If it's okay with you, listen, listen, we'll go home too. We'll go home too. We ain't going to do nothing. You ain't going to do nothing. How about that? Goliath would have been like, sure, go ahead and try, buddy. Let me tell you something. The devil is a liar. And he does not love you. And you have power over him. It's time to take the sword of the spirit and cut Goliath's head off. Stop waiting for the pastor to do it. Stop waiting for a good message. Do it. This is not even in my nose. This is from the Lord for you. Peacemaker is proactive, not passive. And David, you know what he did? He was a peacemaker because he established God's peace on the land of Israel. How? He established peace by saying, I'm going to go after the enemy, and they're no longer going to come at me. And I love what David said. I love it. This is my classic, classic phrase that David said. You come to me with swords and javelins and spears. I come to you in the name of the Lord, our God. In other words, the name of the Lord is greater than any spear the devil has, greater than any attack the devil has. 
speak the name of Jesus. That moment, David became a peacemaker. What is it in your family that you're holding off because you're afraid of drama that will happen? If you lovingly share biblical truth, not self-righteous truth, not your perception of truth, biblical truth. Let the Lord do the rest. Your job is not to interpret prophecy. You just give the prophetic word. Whatever that means, that's up to God. Prophets get in trouble because they give a prophetic word and they try to interpret what that prophetic word is. Just release the word. Amen. Or, if you know the scriptures, release the scriptures. God, listen, one plants, one waters, God does the increase. It's not your job to, to increase the seed. Your job is just to speak the word. You may say, well, they may say, well, that, I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, so-and-so, because, you know, like, we've been family for years, but, you know, now all of a sudden you get this Jesus, you're a little bit too radical, and you're telling me that my lifestyle, look, I'm telling you, 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 uh, you ask, I'm not saying that you pick a fight. If they ask, you speak peace, you speak truth. Watch this, and peace will occur Somehow or some way. Amen? How about Esther? Esther's another example of a peacemaker. Because Esther, had a, he, she had a good. She was an Israelite, but she was, uh, had a lot of favor with the king. And the king was already, already eyeing her. It's like, ooh, that's, 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 ooh that's, my, that's my queen right there. He had no clue that she was a Jew. He had no clue that she was an Israelite. And when all hell break lo- broke loose and the enemy Haman... Haman came with a wicked plan not to destroy some Jews, all the Jews, the, the, all the race of the Jews, like a Hitler. He was, a, he was probably worse than Hitler. And not only did he want to do it, he tricked all the provinces to agree. And the king, he tricked them. Go ahead and sign this decree because anybody that, anybody that doesn't you know, bow to you, would, you, you we're going to cut them all off. You know what, what, what peacemaking did? Listen. You may say this is not peacemaking. Look at, look at the action of peacemaking. Esther could have stayed silent in the midst of injustice. She could have stayed silent and said, you know what? I have it good. I'm not going to ruin this. Yeah, we'll start over. But if she had stayed silent, the whole Jewish race in that region would have been annihilated at a certain day. Because the decree said at this time, at this day, could you imagine that? At this hour and this date and this time. Babies, everyone would have get killed. Esther had a decision to make. She could, she was gonna risk her life to establish peace in the land, true peace, true freedom. She could have stayed silent and said, "Lord, I don't want drama with the king." And Mordecai said, "Listen, if you stay silent, someone's gonna raise somebody else up, and you and your family will perish." But who knows? If you've been born into the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther fasted for three days, no water, no bread. And she goes, I'm going to approach the king. If he lifts his scepter, that means it's good. It was out of protocol. There had to be a protocol to approach the king. She was going to break the protocol. And then I love what she says. She goes, if I perish, I perish. If I die, I die. She fasted for three days, had everybody fast. She opened the doors. She was about to make peace in the land. True biblical peace is freedom. And she approached the king. She told him the story. The king got, got convicted. Got, he got enlightened. The whole story means that Haman, the evil plan that Haman was going to have to impale Mordecai, watch this, same as, same as, as, as Goliath, 
Esther took the power from the enemy by establishing truth, not being afraid to speak out. Watch this. You know what happened? Haman is the one that got impaled on a pole. And the Jews were saved. She established peace. Come on, say amen. Now, these are the three juggernauts that I'm about to say. Everybody say juggernaut. These three principles that I'm about to share with you about the characteristics or attributes of a peacemaker has set people free all throughout my years of preaching. And I want you to please listen to this. It applies to everyone here. There's three types of people here that need to be peacemakers for or for yourself. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? What are the characteristics of a biblical peacemaker? So I just gave you a big, long introduction of the importance of peacemaking, examples of peacemaking, what a peacekeeper is, compromising truth to gain a false sense of peace, or what a peacemaker is, which is releasing the truth to establish true peace. Now then, what is the characteristics and attributes of a peacemaker? Are you ready? Number one, a peacemaker is at peace with God. Now, you need to hear this because it's going to sound simple, and I guarantee you it's not simple. A peacemaker is at peace with God. Everybody say, a peacemaker is at peace with God. You know why a lot of you are not shouting amen? Because you're thinking the way I used to think years ago. Oh, I know what that means. I know what that means. If I were asked, not, not, not people who have heard this teaching before, but if I were asked you, what, is, what does it mean to be at peace with God? Don't answer back. Just think. What does it mean? If I ask, if I ask you, are you at peace with God? Right? You'll say, well, I'm, I'm just right with God. I mean, I'm in my heart right with God, right? Or in a funeral, what do you see the, the pastor or the, or the minister say in the casket in front of them? This brother is at peace with God. So most of the time when we say peace with God, we think that he just kind of arrived to heaven. He's floating in the angels now, and now he's at peace with God. Can I tell you that that is not what Jesus is talking about here? You know what? A characteristic of a peacemaker with being at peace with God is, watch this, this is, this is good, is not being friends with the world or desire the sensual worldly system lifestyle that appeals to your flesh. In a nutshell, that is what being at peace with God is. You say, what? What? Give me some scripture. I'm glad you said that. Because being at peace with God means that you actually do not love the sensuality of the world that appeals to your flesh. Which, hear me now. If you do, as a Christian, there is still hope for you and there is still forgiveness. But if you love the world and its system, you become an enemy to God. What is the opposite of being at peace with somebody? Come on. Come on. What is it? I want you to talk to me. What is the opposite of being at peace with someone? Being in war with someone or being their enemy? Look at what James chapter 4 says, Chris. James chapter 4, I believe it's in the NLT verse 4. Look at what it says. Are you getting something this morning? Okay, good. So wake up. Come on. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying this scripture. I'm, I'm glad Chris is because it starts really rough. NLT, look at what it says. You adulterers. Oh. <laughs> Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? Stop. What does a, peace, a characteristic of a peacemaker? They're at peace with God. Again, what is that definition? Read that again. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. 
This is, a, this is an expensive mic. I don't got to say anything after that. I don't, have to, I don't have to expound on that. You know why? Because James made it very clear. I'm so glad James wrote that and not me. Because everyone that calls people to holiness is always labeled something. I'm glad James says, if you are friends with the world, you make yourself an enemy with God. Years ago, we used to sing this song. I said it when I was a youth pastor. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Not if you love the world, he ain't. I am a friend of God. And you just went to the club last night. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. No, he doesn't. He does not call you friend. You're shacking up fornicating before marriage, and you're loving that thing, and you're not repenting of it. He does not call you friend. Preach. He only calls you friend if you don't love the things of the world, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. Those who love this, this is not my words, this is First John. The love of the Father is not in them. I say this in love not to accuse you, convict you to get right with God. Watch this. To be at peace with God. Being at peace with God is more than just in your last breath before you die. Lord, forgive me. I'm coming home. Forgive me for all my sins. Being at peace with God means now. I want, I want to be considered a friend of God. And all of us have failed, including me, in this area where you desire things of the world. And if you're not careful, you start, your conviction level will be very low the more that you say yes to these things. If you love the worldly lifestyle and all its appeal of this flesh and sensuality and anger, all that stuff, you know what the Bible says? It, you are not a friend of God. It got quiet in this Methodist church here. It's a Presbyterian church. Come on, say, I'm a friend of God when I become at peace with God. And becoming at peace with God means that even today, maybe today, you have a decision to make. Let the preaching of the gospel convict your heart. Don't need to say, oh, I feel condemned. No. Say, man, praise God that I need to make some adjustments. Some truths were highlighted to me. And I'm going to, watch this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drop some of the things on my playlist. I remember somebody, even in our church, won't mention the name because I, 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 for some reason I just remember certain things. I remember someone uh, months ago posting something. Now, I'm, this is not in my notes, so you guys will help me. This is just coming to me now. So who's the guy that um, in the Grammys that did a really uh, uh, demonic, huh? Sam Smith. Now listen to this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Being at peace with God is not being in agreement with having that in your playlist. I'm not highlighting, uh, the reason why is because I remember someone from my church says, I used to listen to this. Because maybe out of ignorance, or the words. Even in my house, the other day we were flipping and that song came on and it was very catchy. And we found ourselves going, no, 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 no. Turn that thing, I'm not going to repeat that. It's very catchy. Like I, it's like almost subliminal, you start thinking of. I used to do that with Eminem. See, some of you guys don't know, I was a hip-hop fanatic, I was a... PG stands for Pastor Gangster, okay? I was, 
I was in the street, you know what I'm saying? I was I was in Foxwood, you know what I'm saying? No. But I used to listen to Eminem, right? Here's what I'm saying about about the stuff that we're in agreement with in our music. That if we're not peace, we're not at peace with God if we're constantly seeing that. And this verse is saying, I used to like him, but when I saw that, I'm denouncing this. I'm not no longer gonna do that. Sadly, it took that, but they shouldn't have took that. And remember, I was years ago when I was listening, I was saved. And Eminem would come on, and I was already saying, but everywhere you had, it was boom, 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 I'm sorry, mama. I never meant to hurt you. Some of you guys are like, what is he talking about? I never made you cry, but tonight I'm cleaning out my closet. Now watch this. I didn't even have the album, and I knew all the words. Because it was playing everywhere in the mall. It was playing everywhere. And I'm thinking, I'm sorry, mama. And all of a sudden, I'm driving, no joke. And I'm just like, I am prophesying death over my mom. The Lord says, what are you doing? Sorry, mama. <laughs> sorry, this is That was a real thing for me. And the Lord convicted me. He said, you are in agreement with prophesying death over your mom. You need to break that over your life. Being at peace with God is more than just an end-time funeral procession. Being at peace with God is not loving the world or what it offers. You may say, well, I don't, I don't, I don't, go, I don't do the sexual part. Yeah, but you do the music part. Well, I, I'm keeping myself, but, but your playlist is constantly prophesying death. You may say that's religious. I'm just trying to keep you at peace with God. Because if you love that, that means you love the world. Guys, we just need to look different, man. We're peculiar. We're sojourners. The Bible says, as sojourners, pass through. Actually, he says, he says, to avoid lust, know that you are sojourners. You know, in other words, in other words, this is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm passing through. I'm in the world, but I'm not of the world. Come on. You came from heaven when you got saved. Anyways. Romans 12, this is not up there. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I'm glad I'm getting amens here. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. Do you get the picture here? Being at peace with God is saying to yourself, I'm not going to give an inch to worldly pleasure. Again, I say this in the fear of the Lord. I'd rather you hear this and grab the truth of it. And maybe some of you will say, I'm a little over the top. It's okay if you say that about me. But I'd rather be this way than to be a pastor that says, listen to everything that you want. Be in agreement with the world. As long as you love the Lord, it's fine with me. I saw a post the other day. It's, uh, literally, I don't even know who this person is. It says, if you're a pastor, there's a post on Facebook. It says, if you're a pastor and you know, no, and I don't know everybody's lifestyle. He sa it said, if you're a pastor and you know that that person on stage, worshiping or preaching or whatever it is, is in sin and you don't say anything about it, then the, then the post says, that pastor doesn't love you. They just love your gift. If I know someone is living 
if I know. If someone is living improper, I want to bring healing to them. I'm not going to judge them and cast them out, but they're not, I, they're not going to be uh, ministering up there if they have willful, unrepented sin, and they're like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Guess what? If I don't do something about that, I care more about their gift than their soul. You better thank God on that way. Number two, number two, number two. The second attribute, listen to me, of a peacemaker. Everybody take a picture of this. They're at peace with others. The first attribute of a peacemaker is that you're at peace with God. How you are at peace with God by not loving the sensuality and the desires of the world. God made it clear. That's how you're a friend of God. But number two, this second attribute by far in all my years of preaching has been one of the most, if not the most powerful reality that I have ever, ever released in, in ministry is the reality of the peacemaker being at peace with others. So the first reality of a peacemaker is being at peace with God. The second reality, watch this, is to pursue being at peace with others. Remember the definition of peacemaking is intentional. Everybody say intentional. This second attribute is, has one phrase attached to it that is very simple, very common. You know what it is? Forgiveness. You cannot have peace with others without the element of forgiveness in that. You cannot. Now, you don't need to be at peace with someone if everything is good. I'm not talking about being at peace with everybody that you're good. No, but if there is hurt and conflict in, in a close relationship, or if there's still hurt or bitterness and you no longer want a friendship, that's fine. There still needs to be peace with others. Now watch this. I'm going to have Chris read a, 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 a scripture real quick, but I'm going to read one that's very scary. I want all of you guys to turn to Matthew chapter 6 or 14. This is a scary scripture, okay? While you do that, put this slide up there. Without the reality of forgiveness ruling our heart and mind, peacemaking with others will be impossible. Without the reality of forgiveness ruling our heart and mind, peacemaking with others will be impossible. Listen to me before we read the scripture. Look at me. I used to say when I was a youth pastor, you can't claim to be right with God and wrong with people. You, in other words, hey, brother, how's your walk with God doing? Man, it is great. I just really hate my pastor. But, like, other than that, I mean, he's just so rude, and I just don't like him. And you know what? I just, uh, I, he, he, he thinks he's all that, and he's always telling all this stuff. I don't like him. And you know what? I just, I just hope that God will just do something in him. But, you know, my relationship with God is great. You can't be right with people and right with God. Not in God's book. Does that mean everyone has to like you? No. That's not what I'm saying. You don't have to get everyone's approval. But what if you and your heart are wronged and are attacking and are unforgiving and bitter towards someone, you cannot claim that your walk with God is right. It's impossible. You can't say, man, my walk with God is good, but I, want, I, I, I just cannot forgive this person for doing what he did or she did. Then you're not right with God. Look at this. This is an old classic scripture, Matthew 6. Look at this, verse 14 through 15. I'm almost done. This is classic, okay? But I don't think we've ever, uh, I don't think pastors uh, say the scripture enough. Like when Enrique came a couple months ago and talked about Matthew 23, no one ever talks about that. 
about that, that religious pharisaical spirit, right? But no one ever talks about this. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, Jesus said, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Now, that's simple. Let's read it like if we were first saved. But if you do not forgive their sins or their trespasses against you, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. Even if we didn't agree with this scripture, the fact that we want our sins forgiven is enough motivation to drop my feelings of awkwardness aside and possible hurt aside and getting right and forgiving that person. Even if they say, well, it's about time you ask for forgiveness. Forgiveness is a decision, not a feeling. And so when you go by feelings, you will never forgive and you will never be a peacemaker. I'm going to say that again. If you go by how you feel in the moment, you will never be a peacemaker. There's times I never felt like doing certain things, but I had to because I knew the Lord saying, there's something in you and, and there's a blockage there. Do you know that the Bible says that the husband's prayers are actually hindered? Where is that at, Harvest? There's a scripture that says your husband's prayers are hindered because how you deal with your wife. And it's vice versa. There's a principle, vice versa. But there's a scripture that says that. That your, your prayers are actually hindered. You do need to make peace because then your prayers will be hindered. Amen to that. Never determine your ability to forgive others by what you feel. Never determine your ability to forgive others, to be a peacemaker for others by how you feel. Because most of the time, your feelings won't tell you the truth. Especially about that person. They'll always paint them in a negative sight if you're hurt. Don't go by feelings. Go by faith. A lack of intentional peacemaking. Look that up. I'm almost done. With others that have wounded us will lead to a life full of misery and bitterness. I'm here to announce it's time to take responsibility for your heart. I'm here to announce that it's your job to do it. I'm here to announce that it's time to take back your joy and your freedom and be a peacemaker. Now, going back to the first one, being at peace with God also means, which I forgot to tell you, making sure that you don't have any anger towards God. Being at peace with God is not just not loving the world. That's a big part of it. But what I I forgot to mention is that the peace of God, listen, the peace of God, sorry, to be at peace with God means that you don't have any anger issues with God. And I've had to come to that reality in my life saying, all right, I admit I'm angry with you. I admit. See, stop, stop, stop being so spiritual. (laughs) I'm not mad. Oh, no, no, not me. Not Not mad. I know the word. Be angry and sin not. That's the problem with people like me that know the word so much that you don't admit when there's something wrong because you use the word. No, 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 no. I'm I'm angry with you, God. I need I can't move on. I can't move on until me and you get right. Praise the Lord. Everybody say run. I love you. After peace. Say run to make peace. You say that's ridiculous, but do you know that's in the Bible? It just doesn't say it. Look at what Hebrews says, and I believe Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Chris, what does it say? Look at, look at the, this word here. Ready? Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. 
looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. That word peace in the Greek means run, pursue peace with all people. That means, Derek, stand up. I'm using an illustration, right? If this person is someone that I need to, to have peace with because he's a friend, he's a family member, and I have bitterness for him or I have some ought for him, even if, I'm going to have you exercise, all right? Start, start walking around the church. Even if he's avoiding me, even if he was avoiding me, I got to pursue, I got to pursue peace. Come on. Get him. <laughs> I got my exercise for the morning. I didn't know you could run that fast, bro. What's up? But do you see that? Do you see that? Even if they don't want it, pursue peace with some people. Oh, wait, 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 what? Pursue peace with only the people that you hang out with and you're really good friends and you get along with and you have beef. Pursue them. No, it says pursue all people, even the people you don't like. Only, only if you have bitterness against them. Only if you have all against them. Pursue peace with all people. Does that mean you have to agree with all people? See, he's huffing and puffing. He's like, <laughs> I want the worship team to come up here, please. This is good stuff, man. Everybody say pursue peace with all people without which no one will see the Lord. Can we, I mean, can we just, whatever happened to that scripture? How many want to see the Lord when they die? How many want to see the Lord when we come to heaven? Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. God is not calling us to perfection, but what he is saying is don't leave anything undone that needs to be done. This message is for you not to walk on eggshells. And if you do, that's not my intention. You're not called to walk on eggshells with everybody. But you do need to pursue peace for those that need to pursue peace. Maybe it's in your own home. Maybe it's with your family. Right? Thank you, Harvest. First Peter says, Husbands, likewise dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife. As to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. That's 1 Peter 3, verse 7. Now, again, that goes both ways. But in this context, he's trying to highlight a principle that our prayers could be hindered. If we know that we need to make peace with someone and we don't, our prayers could be hindered, especially in our family. If we're not honoring our wives, husbands... And we're, I'm not saying that there's not two sides of the story, because believe me, there is two sides of the story. Wives are just as guilty as husbands. Just as guilty. But what this is saying is, hey, in your own household, it's not just friendships. It's in your own house. Are you dishonoring your wife? Are you dishonoring your husband? Are you dishonoring him? And you're constantly attacking him and letting him have it? Or letting her have it and there's no repentance in there newsflash your prayers will be hindered I don't want that I want to be a peacemaker and if I could be transparent I'm usually the one who initi- I, I'm, not that my wife doesn't but I, I'm usually the one who says look I'm sorry I, I just don't want that 
caring in my spirit, nor do I want it to affect my prayers. So even though I feel at times that I've, I've been the one that's hurt, I'll be like, look, I'm sorry. Do you know that I've done that for people that have hurt me? And I'm like, and, and the Lord says, you're not going to get an apology from them. <laughs> and, I, and I go there and I'm like, look, man, I, whatever happened, I'm sorry. Amen. And I'm like, in my heart, I'm like, and? <laughs> you know, you hurt me too. So, and, and I would never get it. I would never get it. But because I know who I am in Christ, it set me free. And the relationship was saved because of that. I don't determine my peacemaking on if someone admits that they were wrong to me. That's a good word. I relate my peacemaking whether they say anything back to me or not. I've been obedient to God and that thing lifts off of me. Now watch this. Are you ready for the last one? Everybody say you're ready for the last one. Are you getting anything? The last one is hardly ever talked about when it comes to peacemaking. But it's so true. Are you ready? Number one, they're at peace with God. Attributes of a peacemaker. Number two, they're at peace with others. The third attribute of a peacemaker. Put it up. They're at peace with themselves. Look at this. This is good. This is good now. This is good now. Listen to your pastor because I've been preaching this for years. I know what I'm talking about. The third attribute of a peacemaker is when someone is able to forgive themselves from the shame that they know they have caused or the pain they have caused and they're constantly living in guilt even though they have forgiven other people sometimes it's very hard for them to forgive their own selves really forgive their own selves you know why because if you don't are if you're not at peace with yourself in a biblical way not in a new age freaky way if you love yourself like the bible says you love yourself and if you're at peace with yourself that means watch this what is the uh, uh, loving having peace with yourself the the people that don't have peace with themselves are you ready for this word self-hatred without saying anything they hate themselves privately they don't like what they see in the mirror privately they don't like their spirituality they don't say anything, but they constantly view themselves as failures. Do you realize that you are the creation of God? And the more that you say that, you're saying that God made a mistake in creating you. Do you know that some people could forgive others, but they could never forgive themselves? I believe that if you're not at peace with yourself, in other words, learning how to forgive yourself, for things that you've done that watch this the mistakes you did let's call them that the mistakes you did it will affect your calling and you will never fulfill your destiny listen to what I'm saying I believe by reading history books and by mapping out where Paul the Apostle preached I am certain that Paul when he was Saul killed feel the Holy Ghost Many of the people that were in these regions that he would not know that he would come back later after he got saved and preached to those very same towns. As I did a study, I realized that Saul, when he was a Pharisee, he went to a lot of regions and he killed everyone that was a Christian, beheaded them. He was there when Stephen, the martyr, looked up and said, I see heaven open up. While they were stoning him, his jaws were 
getting dislodged, brain, skull being open because of the, he looked up. And guess who was watching the whole thing and approving the whole thing? Saul. Who I feel the Holy Ghost. When he got saved and he got encountered by God on the road to Damascus, uh, sorry, on the road to Damascus where he was actually on the way to kill people. Some people say that he was like, Saul was like a modern day uh, 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 terrorist. He was there killing Christians and it was legal. Watch this, watch this. And as he got encountered by God, he, he had to go to, to a place. This is so powerful. I'll tell you, please. To towns now that he knew a widow was there because he had killed the husband because they were a Christian. And he knew that the wife was, or the husband was there because the wife died through his hands. And now that he's saved, he has to go back into those same towns and look at those people right in the eye and preach the love of Jesus to them. Watch this. Watch, 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 watch. I could not do that if I did not learn how to forgive myself. I imagine with tears in his eyes, Paul was saying, oh man, I remember what I did in this spot. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Some of you, you remember what you did in that spot. You go back to that stomping ground and you feel dirty, but God wants you to be a light, not to remember the bad deeds that you did. Someone told me recently, I won't say the name because they haven't, they haven't released it yet, but they said, recently I went to the very same place that years ago I had a miscarriage and God redeemed that place because I was able to encounter people and lead them to Jesus in the very same place that years ago I had a miscarriage. So the very place that caused pain was the place that this person chose to choose life. Please hear me now, I'm closing. If Paul did not learn the power of the blood of Jesus that was enough to still qualify an ex-murderer to preach the gospel. If he didn't realize that it was enough, he would not be able to go into those towns and speak the love of God. God had to, Paul had to forgive himself. Now listen, listen to this. Philippians 3. Are you getting something? Some of you are so hard on yourself because of what you've done and has affected your marriage you have to move on go to those same places that have caused you hurt and bring life to something watch this I hear this in the spirit your mistakes did not define the call of God in your life Philippians 3 look what it says in the NLT and then we're going to pray. Verse 12 through 16. But I reread this before, but I never saw the last sentence until just a couple years ago. Sorry, a couple days ago that I want to release to you. Amen? Say, I'm a peacemaker. Say, I want to be a peacemaker. How many of this message is resonating in your life right now? Come on. So watch this. Philippians 3 in the NLT. The great apostle Paul describes, in my opinion without saying it, his journey of forgiving himself. Listen, to be able to continue to preach. Go ahead, Chris. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. 
But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward right. to what lies ahead. Keep going. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. Watch this now. If you disagree on some point, yeah. I believe God will make it plain Now to stop you. for a second. That la the next sentence that we're about to read, I've never saw this until just a couple days ago. Paul is describing his journey. He says, forgetting the past. This is my secret. I have to forget about my past if I'm going to move forward. But then watch what he ends this sentence with. Listen to this. Keep going. But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Wow. We must hold on to the progress that we've already made. You may not be where you want to be, but you're not what you used to be. Come on. You may not be where you want to be, Listen, but you're not what you used to be. You can't change your past, but you can't change your future. You can't change where you've been, but you can't change where you're going. Come on, I want everyone to stand up right now. You must understand, Paul the Apostle described the peacemaking as being at peace with himself. He says, we all, everybody say, I must acknowledge the progress that I've already made listen to me guys you're much further than what you think you're much further than what you think acknowledge the progress that you've made and stop looking at your shortcomings stop looking at your mistakes because they will define you are you a peacemaker or a peacekeeper this morning Come on, are you a peacemaker or a peacekeeper? Are you at peace with God? Are you at peace with others? Are you at peace with yourself? Come on, lift up your hands all over this place. Lift your hands. We're going to worship for one song. Come on. We're going to worship. Come on. I want everyone just right now just to stay standing. I know it's a little late today. Just hang with me. Just hang with me. And it look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Come on, come on, come on. And Think about look it. look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like, come on. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Come on, lift your hands right now. Think about it. It may look like I'm surrounded, Are you a peacemaker or a Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit remnantchristiancenter.com.